0: As they're doing that, we welcome those that are watching online, Randy, Jamie, Linda, Lori, I think, saw there, so we're w- glad you could join us. Um, if um, We started, we launched a digital bulletin here back a couple weeks ago, and Chris, if you can put up the QR code like that, meal or something like that, but if you want to grab one of those and some coffee, there's going to be ladies that will serve you, um, so um, they'll have masks and everything on, and they'll serve you. And there's the prize table. So the egg hunt, then it will be after the service. So if you have kids, what's the age? Is it up to fifth grade or something like that? All right. There's probably, you know, there's kind of that point where it's not as cool to do an egg hunt, right? So, yeah. All right. So we got that up for announcements. Um, if you are, if, this, if you're new to Radiant Springs Church, maybe this is your first Sunday. Or maybe you've been coming over the last month or two. Uh, we're going to do pizza with the pastors next um, next Sunday, so that is the 11th. It'll just be after church. And so if you click on that in the digital bulletin, there's actually a sign up so that we know that how many to plan for. And you can click on that. It's a pretty simple form: name, address, um, no social security number or anything. All right. So, uh, but it just lets us know how many um, would be there. All right. So you can click on that. We'd love to have you come back. Um, just share a little bit more about Radiant Springs Church. See if you have any questions. It's not, you know, you ever been to a timeshare? How many have been to a timeshare thing, right? And you just don't know what you're going to expect. Th- this isn't a timeshare thing. It's you, we're going to give you pizza. Maybe answer a few questions you have about Radiant Springs Church. Maybe some ways uh, how you can some next steps as far as being part of a small group or building some connections that way. So that's all that is. So if you want to give online, that's been something, especially during COVID, that that has become a lot more of a popular option for people. If you want to submit a prayer request, uh, past messages, so all that is there. So um, all right. Did I hit everything? I just want to make sure. A few new elements to our service today. So amen. Looks like the kids have gone back. So we're going to dive in here this morning. Uh, We're going to be in the Gospel of John. uh, Chapter twenty. If you want to uh, turn in your copy of God's Word, and last week we touched upon Palm Sunday, and it, it was entitled "Believe." And this is kind of on the similar theme. If I gave the message a title, it would be that you may believe, um, and that'll become a little more um, obvious as we read through this passage. But that's a word that's been kind of that's kind of jumped out at me as I've been preparing, praying. It's just that word believe, all right? Believe. And so John is going to touch upon that. Um, I I, I find in our culture, maybe a lot of people know of God, um, maybe even know about the resurrection. Uh, But for how many people, how many of them believe and believe uh, Christ is their Lord and their Savior? So um, we want to uh, look at that. So I'm going to just invite us to bow our heads in prayer, and then we're going to uh, dive into John chapter 20, verses 1 through 31. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that it is quick, it is powerful, it is alive to us, Lord God. It is more than words on a page. As we um, come to this time, Lord God, you're, you've promised that your spirit would help us understand it and apply it to our everyday life, Lord, that it can instruct us in how we can live our life to glorify you and live a life that honors you and have the hope of heaven. And so, Lord God, we, uh, we just invite you into this time. We give you the thanks and the praise. In your name we ask. Amen. Verse 1 of chapter 20. So uh, Aaron Paul read um, Matthew's account of the resurrection. And all the different Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? They all include something about the resurrection. Some of it is overlap. Some of it is unique. John's Gospel is the most unique out of all of them, all right? And so he had a little bit different relationship with Christ. He was kind of the one out of the three. So there was Matthew, I mean, there was um, Peter, um, James, and John that were kind of the inner circle of three that were very close to Christ. And then there was John that seemed to have just a little bit closer relationship than the rest. Uh, He's referred to as the disciple that Jesus loved, okay? Um, So let's look at this together. Verse 1, it says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene, okay, and if you know a little bit about her, she was not, um, she came from a, what we would call just kind of a rough past, but God redeemed her. And she went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, okay, that'd be John, the one that Jesus loved, and says, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both of them were running. I love this. It's just kind of like how John records this. You know, there's competition there, all right? These two guys, Peter and John, they're just, who's going to get there first, right? And that's in here, all right? Uh, But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. So John is faster, right? And he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Peter arrived, so Peter wasn't quite as fast as John came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. And he saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around the head of Jesus and the cloth that was still in its place and separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and he believed. So you can underline the times that that believe or believed is used. They did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. So here are the disciples that are closest to Jesus, and they're still not understanding the cross and now the resurrection. They're still trying to come through their own process of believing and understanding what has taken place. Verse 10, Then the disciples went back, to where they were staying. Verse 11, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she she bent over and looked into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated there with Jesus, where his body had been, one at his head, one at his foot. And they asked, Woman, why are you crying? And they said, The Lord, they've taken my Lord away. She says, I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not recognize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking it was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him that I may get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. I have a feeling that it was similar to the way he had pronounced her name in the past. And so she recognized it. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me. I have not ascended yet to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them that I'm ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. So they had seen the empty tomb, but they hadn't seen the resurrected Christ. And so she tells them, and she told them that he had said these things to her. So, you know, what was going through their mind? Did they believe? It's kind of like, oh, uh, you know, you know, Mary Magdalene well, it was her, right? You know, are we going to believe what she has to say? On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and says, peace be with you. You know, it's kind of like, whoa, how did he get here, right? Put yourself in their shoes. And especially with, you know, that balloon pop back there, and I don't know how many that went through, you know. Um, But sometimes even in our day and age, some of those things can throw us off, can't they? Think They were fearful of what was happening. Verse 20, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas... Happened to be gone that day. Also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples and told him, we have seen the Lord. All right? But what does Thomas say? He said to them, unless I see the marks in his hands and place my finger in his nail prints and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. There's that word again, believe, isn't it? I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked again, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. He didn't have to do that. Now that he saw the Lord, he, that had answered his questions, right? Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. So there's, you know, they were selective in what they recorded. They couldn't include it all. But these were written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So I just want to touch upon a few things. I'm not going to keep you here real long today. Um, but believe is a common thread in the Gospel of John. In fact, it is mentioned, anybody want to take a stab? I mean, last week I had somebody guess how many, Lindsay, yes, yes, how, how many miracles Jesus did. And she just, I, you know, I thought it was going to take several tries. She nails it right off the bat, 37. So she just nails it. All right. But how many times believe is used in the Gospel of John? If you can believe it, 84 times it's it's mentioned in the Gospel of John, more than any other book. Acts, the book of Acts is right in there with it, a little bit behind, but none of the other books are even close to it. But 84 times this word believe is used. And the, the disciples were eyewitnesses to the ministry of Jesus. His ministry, his death, his burial, his resurrection, they were there for it, right? Now, if you want to get the truth about something, you want to get somebody that was there, right? An eyewitness account right? These men were there. They witnessed all the events, the significant events of Jesus' ministry, his life, his burial and resurrection. But each of them had to even also go through a process of believing. So even after his death and his resurrection, they still had to come to that place. These men that are writing to us, the accounts that we're reading today, they had to come to that own process of believing. And we even see it in Thomas, right? I'm not going to believe. I know Mary says that she saw him, and I know you guys say that you, you saw him, but I'm not going to believe until I put my hands and my fingers and the nail prints of his hands and in his side. And then once he sees Jesus, he goes, yeah, now I believe. There was no doubt there. But even Thomas, who had walked with Christ, had his own doubts. They all had to go through that process of believing. And so John and the other authors of the gospels write down their accounts. Why? So that we have a narrative, we have some history, but also that people that were not there, like you and I, would have the ability to say, you know what, here's an account of what happened in the life of Jesus, so that we could also believe. Amen. All right. What we do know is that Jesus was a real person that walked on this earth, that died on a Roman cross. Um, you know there's people that have tried to challenge the resurrection of Jesus, but it's never been disproven you know and even in the account that Aaron read to us, the Roman guards, how they secured the tomb, and they took a lot of pride in that and the fact that you know the disciples could have come and, and fought somehow got past the Roman guards is a little bit is a little bit crazy, and even if they would have the disciples would have been hunted down and then killed, right? So none of that took place. The Romans had no body to prove that, hey, yeah, he hasn't been resurrected. The evidence is there. Even Josephus, who is a, he was a Jewish author, historian, he was not a believer, but even he records the events that took place that we see in the Gospels and and records those. Um, But even he did not believe, even though he recorded them. Um, first Corinthians, I want to just briefly touch upon this. Paul then writes he says in first corinthians fifteen three through eight he 's talking to the Corinthian believers about the resurrection because even the co- people in Corinth were struggling with this idea of the resurrection. They believed many of the things of the gospel, but the resurrection, I think is kind of like really you know, and if you go back to Corinth, it was very religious. they had a lot of gods, but there again none of them had ever died on the cross for their sins and been resurrected. Paul says, For what I've received, I pass on to you of first importance. There, I'll get it, importance. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And he appeared to Cephas, uh, which is also known as Peter, and then to the Twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 people after his resurrection, all at one time. Most are still living. And though though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and to the other apostles. And at last he appeared to me also. Remember, if you read in the book of Acts, it's on the road to Damascus and his encounter with the resurrected Christ. So Paul was a persecutor of all the early church believers until he had that personal encounter with Christ. And he himself believed. See, he was witness to a lot of the stuff that took place and he persecuted the church. But then all of a sudden he has the encounter with Christ and then he believes. So the question I want to kind of put before you is why must you believe? Why must you believe? Some of you here today, you believe. All right? There's never been a question. Maybe you were raised in a Christian home. But even being raised in a Christian home, you can still question. All right? You can still be like the evidence is there. Or maybe you've never... You don't have any resemblance of, of a Christian background at all. and Maybe this is new to you, right? I don't know where you're at, but the question I'm putting forth is why must you believe? Well, number one is that you may have the, the promise of heaven. You may have the promise of heaven. You know, there's been many good men and women that have claimed to be gods or people made them to be gods. Maybe they taught good truths and even some of those morally correct and right. But there again, there's been no other God that has died on the cross for people's sins and that was raised from the dead. And John 3.16, you can say it with me if you know it. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life or eternal life. There again, that's from the Gospel of John. He uses that word, believes. That day that Jesus died on Golgotha, He died between two thieves. Remember that? Two thieves. One was hostile to him and one said, he, there was some belief there. And he begins to talk with Jesus. And he says, I believe in you. You know, I, I, I made my mistakes. I, I'm up here because I deserve to be here. I, I committed crimes. But you haven't committed crimes. You're not up here for things that you've done wrong. He understood that. And they dialogue and Jesus reaches out to him he said, you know what? If you believe in me, Today you will be with me in paradise. And he says, I believe. Isn't that incredible? That because he believed, he got entrance into the kingdom of God. You know what? There was a lot of people there that day that, re- that witnessed his death, that w- witnessed maybe his resurrection, that witnessed his, his ministry that did not believe, and yet a thief on a cross that reached out and believed was able to receive the gift of life, the gift of heaven. Amen? You have to believe. You must believe in order to receive that gift of life. To believe means to accept something as truth, okay, that it is the truth. And I, I know that seems like a subjective term in our, in our day and age. That idea of what truth is, is seems very subjective. It's what people maybe say on social media or something like that, right? We're going to put a litmus test out there. We'll take a survey. What do you think is truth, right? But the gospel writers wrote down what they witnessed so that we could believe and know the truth. Number two, why must you believe? That you may have life. That you may have life. And John refers to that in verse 31. He says, I write these things that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now that word life is the Greek word zoe. All right. And we have a Zoe here. Some, is she here? She's over there. Yeah. So Zoe means life. And so we, we get some English words from, right, zoology. And, and then I even talked to somebody that are going to the zoo later today, right? So they come from that Greek word, Zoe, which means life. Um, and it, that is, again, that is another common, very popular word in the book of John. Forty-one times it's mentioned there, this idea of life. Now, it, it seems to be more than that, hey, I'm breathing. Okay, so if you're here today and you're breathing, you have life, right? But it seems to be more than that. It seems that Jesus uh, gave life to people. He And by doing so, He gave them purpose. You think of the disciples. They were fishermen, but they were just kind of going through life, and all of a sudden, Jesus calls them to be fishers of men, and it's kind of like they found their purpose, something that they were willing to die for, which all of them would except for John. They found a purpose. Or Some were suffering, and so they were living, they were breathing, but they didn't have life to the fullest because of their, their ailments and their physical disabilities, and God restored them. Jesus reached out to them and healed them. Some were in bondage. Think of those demoniacs that Jesus came encounter with and how those demonic spirits had robbed them of their life, of their energy, of happiness and joy and peace. They were being tormented by these spirits day and night and how Jesus set them free and gave them life. Life is to be understood in this idea of being alive, living each day with happiness, healthiness, energy, exuberance and vitality. So I have no doubt that each of you here today is is alive, you're breathing but my question is for, for you is, have you experienced the life that God has for you that is full, that is exuberant, that is happy and healthy? And I, I'm not here to tell you that if you accept Christ, everything is going to be going, it's going to go well. Ask the disciples how that went, right? They had hardships, but they found a joy, a peace, and happiness that the world could not give them, that they were willing to die for. John 10.10 says, this is Jesus' word, the thief who we would know as Satan. His purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. This speaks of a meaningful life that is alive and powerful. You know, one day Jesus was teaching in the small town of Jericho, right? The one where the walls came tumbling down. And there was a tax collector there that was curious about some of the things, the rumors that he had heard on the street about this man named Jesus and he came to his town. He was well off. He was a tax collector. He wasn't hurting for money. If he's ever lacking, he just charged somebody double, right? But Jesus came to his town and the crowds were there and he was what? He was vertically challenged, wasn't he? He was short, all right? And so he wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. So what did he do? He climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus and to hear what he had to say. And Jesus saw him. And as Jesus passed by his way, he said, Hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming over to your house today. He invited himself over. How does that work, right? He invites himself over. So Zacchaeus goes home, prepares a table. Jesus comes to his house. And that just reinforced the rumors that Jesus hangs out with tax collectors and sinners. But that day, the life of Zacchaeus was touched. He found a life. He found meaning and a purpose that transcend what he had already had. And he, he says, you know, here and day, I'm going to give back all the money I got wrongfully. I'm going to give it back to the people and give half of what I own to the poor. Um, And his life was changed and transformed that day as he encountered Jesus. He was alive, but that day he found life. And he found something to live for. And maybe that speaks to you today. Why must you believe so that you have life and you have the promise of heaven? There's one final thing. Why must you believe that you may have hope? You know, there's all sorts of things that we fear in life. Snakes. How many many are afraid of snakes? Uh, I'm not a real big fan, especially poisonous ones. Sharks, anybody like, hate sharks? All right. I've been snorkeling and scuba diving. I came kind of face-to-face with a barracuda once. That was enough. But sharks, I think, I think I'd go through more oxygen in my tank than <laughs> normal, right? Mountain lions, when I go out bow hunting, I sometimes wonder about that. We have a few around here. Um, yeah, there's things that we're afraid of, isn't there? You know, I, one thing I learned this week, so I don't know real good Spanish, but I learned one word is the same in English as it is in Spanish, and that is the word cancer. And so um, Ramon was here cleaning and listening to a message in Spanish, and I heard that word cancer. It came about very clear. I could understand that, so we talked about that. You know, for some people, that's pretty fearful, that word cancer, right? There's things that we're afraid of, and then there's death itself, Right? That we're fearful of, but Jesus did not shrink back from death. He didn't want to suffer, and so the night he's betrayed, that Thursday night, he has Passover with his disciples. He goes out to the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, "God, if there's any other way that I don't have to go through the cross, I'm all for it." But he had to go through the cross to die for our sin. But it, see, the other part is that he conquered death, the resurrection, and it's. It, I'm glad that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. But see, the resurrection is so important. Paul understood that because it's in the resurrection that we have hope, that we have life, that we have the hope of eternity, that when, when we die, that there is, our life just doesn't end, but we go into eternity with Christ if we have the hope of heaven. And that he took the sting out of death, right? That's what 1 Corinthians 15, if you read that whole chapter, it talks about that he overcame death and he took the sting out of it. It has been swallowed up in victory. When Jesus was raised from the dead. You know, you can always tell. I've been at the bedside of many people as they approach death. Okay? That comes kind of with the territory of being a pastor. Maybe you've been by the graveside or just by the bedside, I guess, of somebody, a loved one, as they've went into eternity. And I can always tell the people that have hope, have a hope in God and those who don't. You can see it in their eyes. And I remember a neighbor in the first community that we pastored, um, he had a different faith, a different um, belief. Um, and I remember going over and visiting him, and he had cancer. And it was just in the final, final hours, final days. I remember going over and praying with him, and I just remember the fear in his eyes. Folks, I, I, I just, it's, it's something that has stayed with me in 30 years of ministry. The fear in his eyes was just overwhelming. Because he didn't have the hope. Cancer was taking his life and he didn't have a hope. He didn't know what was waiting for him beyond the grave. And then I've, I've been by people. Um, Gary, you're here. And Joyce. Uh, Grandma Joyce was with us. And it's been, what, two, three years she's been with the Lord. But I just remember going into her, her room um, hours before um, the Lord would take her. And I just remember... Just the peaceful presence of God in that room. It was just all peace. And then God took her home. There's a difference, folks, when we have that hope of heaven in our heart. The fear, the sting of death has been removed. Hey, we're all going to die, okay? Unless unless Christ returns before we die, we're all going to die. If we have that hope of heaven, though, that sting of death has been taken away. Amen? And Jesus went before us. He didn't skip death. He's the pioneer. He went before us. He experienced pain, suffering, and death itself, and He overcame it. He he went through the grave, and He offers that hope to us today. You know what? I'm going to have the musicians come. I wish that um, I could make everybody believe. I really do. But I have determined if Jesus wasn't able to do that, I probably can't do that either. If the disciples weren't able to do that, I probably can't either. All I can do is like Jesus and like the disciples is say, hey, here's the truth. Here's the evidence. Here's the message. You have to take that and believe. And that has to be your decision to believe. And I just feel that pretty strong. It just, it's been in my spirit over the last couple weeks. Um, and you go through the Gospels. I, I believe that there were people that experienced miracles then the end didn't have the hope of heaven because even though that they were healed of their condition, they didn't believe. And then there were others that did. And there were some that had no miracle, had nothing like the thief on the cross, and he believes. I, I don't understand that, folks. I don't know why some believe and some don't. I wish I could figure all that out. I can't. But I do know that Scripture says that we have to believe. Most of the details are there, but, you know, even as Sharonda shared, you know, sometimes we, we at our sunrise service, I believe that God will meet us if we come to Him by faith. He knows the questions that we have in our heart. Um, questions. Some of you are analytical. You want all the, all the details, the evidence. Some of you are more the opposite, more emotional. So you're going to make that emotional leap and trust God. Others, you have to have things figured out in your mind. My father-in-law was like that. He had to have the evidence, enough evidence until he finally took that step to believe. Others, you just, man, you experience God and you, maybe you're in a difficult place and you reached out to Him and he, he rescued you. He saved you. And you found a hope and a peace. I don't know uh, where you're at this morning. I hope that many of you believe, but maybe there are some, maybe there's someone listening online or you're here today and you're a guest, and you just haven't made that declaration in your own heart. The good news is, you know what? You can know for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're going to heaven. You can know for sure. Jesus says, if you believe in me, you have the hope of heaven. If you believe in him as his Lord and Savior, that he died on the cross for you, you have the hope of heaven, folk, folks. And it begins a process, a journey of walking with him. but it's your choice. Each person has a choice. Why must you believe that you can have the promise of heaven? That you may have life. There again, it's not that everything is going to go your way, but you have somebody that's walking with you and Christ has promised to walk with us. Give us life and purpose and meaning and hope that reaches beyond this life into eternity. Amen. I'm going to encourage you to stand with me this morning and I'm... um, What we normally do is I just lead us in a prayer of salvation. There's nothing magical about the prayer, folks, okay? But I believe that if you mean it in your heart, that God honors that, just that prayer of faith, of belief. So if you make that your own prayer, I believe that God honors that. It begins the process of placing your faith in Christ and living each day for Him. So I'm going to encourage you to pray along with me. Uh, Those of you that have prayed it with me many, many times, but also, um, if you mean that, you want to take that step this morning. Maybe today is your day. You can have that hope uh, in your heart. And then we want to help you on that journey. If this is your, the day that you may ask Christ in your life, we want to help you on that journey. Amen? Let's pray together. saying, Father, forgive me of my sins. And today, I put my hope and faith in you. Be my Lord and my Savior. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And Father, I pray your blessing upon everyone here, Lord. Father, that you've come that we may have life and have it more abundantly. And Lord, I I pray that we can discover that. And maybe even we've been walking with the Lord for many years, but there's still, we haven't found just that meaning and purpose that comes from knowing you and maybe we have, we've kind of walked the line we've walked the fence we haven't totally sold out to you because of that we're maybe even a little bit miserable it's Lord it's when we're sold out to things it's when we give ourselves completely to something that, that we find the meaning and the purpose and, and maybe there's some here today that have been walking that fence and today is the day that you, you step forward and say hey it's all or nothing I'm going all in for God I'm going to give him my heart, my life, all that I am, and serve him completely and totally. And so if, if that's you this morning, I just encourage you in that. And uh, God will honor that. God will bless that. Father, we give you the thanks and the praise we ask in your name. Amen. They're going to lead us in a closing course this morning. Would you just join in? It's called Living Hope. And uh, just let's worship the Lord together this morning. beautiful song amen amen well hey in that digital bulletin there's a connect card and uh if you made a commitment to the lord this morning maybe for the first time or just maybe you recommitted your life to christ uh, we'd love to follow up with you and and you can do so on that connect card or you can just find me i'm just gonna i'll be floating around here on the ground but i'll be just kind of moving around here um Uh, But we'd love to connect with you. And we do have the pizza with pastors. That's for those you're new to Radiant Springs, where this is your first Sunday or um, you've been here maybe a few Sundays or a couple months. Uh, We just want to share some vision with you and answer some questions you may have about the church and let you go. So um, that'll be next Sunday. And so afterwards here, there will be some coffee and donuts. If you, uh, I want our guests, if you're a guest here, you get first crack at that. So... Mary, you know who those are. So, um you can be a little mean. No. I mean, all right. So, her her email's mama bear. So, be the mama bear let our guests get uh coffee and a muffin or a donut if they want one. Uh there's the photo booth there so you can you just sit down there. There's a little sign there you can hold up and if you want to there's usually somebody there that can help take your picture. The prizes, the egg hunt will be here as soon as they get it set up. So, um Amen. Let's just bow our heads in prayer. Father, be with us as we go today. Bless our gatherings with our family, with our friends. Uh, May may you be glorified. May you be lifted up by all that we do, Lord. And I pray that as we go through this week, Lord, I thank you for those times of fellowship and the food, Lord. But, uh, Lord God, may the, the truth of the resurrection be in our heart, Lord God, that you've allowed us to overcome. You've given us hope. You've given us a future. And, Lord God, that that reality, you've given us a life, uh, that that reality is at work in our life as we live each day. Go with us today. We give you the thanks, the praise. We ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning.